Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hello and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. It's producer Harry here again. So we've got Phil Spencer on the podcast today. Phil is most known for his hit TV show, Location, Location, Location. So good, they named it three times. So Phil actually started in property in the late 80s, early 90s. He initially trained as a surveyor and he um, built his portfolio up and eventually got a job on TV, you know, uh, hosting the biggest property show in the UK. They first recorded the very first episode back in 1999, where I would have been about seven, eight years old, which (laughs) just shows how long ago that was. But Phil has been doing this for over 20 years and it's still the biggest property TV show. Now, we recorded this before the uh, current coronavirus outbreak, but there's a lot of property discussion and talk on this particular episode with Phil. So even though, yes, we're currently going through, you know, unprecedented times, Rob and Phil uh, get into some really good granular detail and discussions regarding property and what you kind of, you know, should be doing regardless of the coronavirus anyway. So let's get straight into the episode. But before we do, we also have a YouTube channel, Official Rob Moore where we release all the video content. So if you want to see the interview with Phil and all the other guests we've interviewed, you need to head over to official Rob Moore on YouTube, subscribe and start watching. So let's get straight into the interview with location, location, location host, Phil Spencer. But remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and you may recognize this man. So we're live on Progressive Property here, my page here, the world here, maybe YouTube here. So Phil, thanks for coming and doing the interview. Not at all. Pleasure to be here. This is going to go on the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. I believe you're publishing it on your podcast too. We are indeed. Move IQ. Location, location, location. It's the 18 years that's been running. It's 20. Actually. Wow. The pilot in 1999, and I think the first show was aired in... Um, Twenty year. You yeah. need to do something big for your twentieth year. We are sort of developing it at the moment. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it's got to fit into the schedule, which is the current problem. Yeah. So that that to me is wholly impressive because I think to have a twenty year career shows longevity, sustainability, also mm. an ability to move with the times and stay relevant. I think um, I've always said we've been. I've always considered it, we were very lucky. We location location was the first property program on television. Um, and I feel that we had the pick of the formats. There's been a lot of television made about property since, and, and some are better than others, and, and, but many of them haven't survived the course. But I do feel that we had the pick of the formats. It is an interesting process, watching people go through the ups and downs mm. of house hunting and discussing and debating and compromising or not and looking around other houses and then discussions on deals and negotiation and tactics. You know, it's... Mm. If it wasn't, I guess, if it wasn't interesting, I wouldn't still be doing it 
yeah. 20 years later and nor would people still be watching. Mm. So if you could give us a few little secrets to enduring success. I'm fascinated by studying success uh, and I think it's easy to be successful for a year or two or three, but not 20. So if you think back, what are some of the things that have kept us going and relevant um, over those 20 years? Um, we have a format and, and that's, that's a really comfortable place. It took us a while to establish the format, but there is a format. Having said that, we rarely stick to it, but it's a lovely to have a fallback. If it all goes to shit, we can go back to the former. Mm. But one of the fun things about making the show and watching the show is we don't know what's going to happen. So we have to roll with the punches. You have to move with the times. And, and our advice is market-led. We, we give advice tailored to the conditions at the time. Mm. In the last kind of um, property whoops, when was that? 2008? Eight. Mm. Um, there was a feeling from both Kirsty and I and indeed from Channel 4 that, oops, how's this going to play out? Property programme and people, when it's not making people feel good. Mm. And so there was, a, there was absolutely concern. But in actual fact, our ratings went up. Right. And we felt that that was because people wanted advice. Mm. And we changed the edit, the, the sort of, um, we, we put more, we allowed more time in the edit for our advice and tactics and real think and a bit less of the kind of jollies and, mm. and the muck around behind the scenes. Mm. So it's very real. It is a genuine um, reality TV. Yeah. And, and even the reality TV is not reality TV nowadays because it does get set up and produced. Mm. But um, our, our programmes are not just location, but love it or list it as well. Um, uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm. So it genuinely is reality TV and you get to see people make big choices. And I think that's, that's quite engaging. Mm. People seeing people have those discussions, should we, shouldn't we, and how much should we pay, and those, you know, it's, it's fun. Mm. And how long <clears throat> does one show take to shoot? Because it's obviously not a day, is it? No. Um, on location, location, it takes, takes Kirsty and I three days, we're there. Um, the crew are there for five days and the house hunters are there for four. But there's a good week in setup and preparation before where we absolutely cover the ground and we have a great team that does all the research. So if, if there is a property that week that remotely suits um, our client's brief, we, we will find it. Yeah. We work down harder at, um, at getting results. Mm. We, we're quite careful at who we work for, with, because they need to be able to perform. They need, you know, the keener they are to buy, or should I say the more desperate they are to buy, the more we like it. Mm. Because um, we want to show results. Yeah. We want to find them homes. Mm -hmm. We want to do deals. Great. Um, so you said, which I think is a lovely thing to be in the presence of someone saying, that I love what I do. Uh, and I think that's a really vital element. Uh, I'm in the same fortunate position. Uh, how do you maintain the love for what you do having done it for 20 years? Well, that's easy, actually, because um, I've done it on television for 20 years, but I've actually done it in real life for 25, 26 years. Mm. <clears throat> um, and it still gives me a great buzz. I mean, genuinely a buzz to take to meet someone and sitting down and they go, I'm dreaming of this. I'm hoping to find that. I can't find this. I'd love to buy that. And there's a lot of hopes and ambitions involved in that what they've got in their mind's eye. Mm. To be in a position where you can influence that and lead that, and then to be able to take somebody into the house 
that matches what they had in their mind and their face flushes and their eyes go bright and the big smiles, that in itself is a huge buzz. And mm. I, I never get bored of that. Mm. Seeing that in someone's face that you have delivered on their dream. Mm. If I can then help them through the deal, save them some money and kind of ease the process and make a stressful situation relatively calm, happy days. Mm. So it's not just folly for TV, you are actually helping them achieve oh. an outcome, save money, find a dream house, it's not just theatre. No. Yeah. And that came because Kirsty and I did that in our professional life. We mm. had businesses that, that did that. So mm. actually the television, we got involved in the television side of what we do purely um, in order to um, have, in order to demonstrate what we did. Mm. It was a, we were the only two people in the country that were doing it. Right. So it was very niche. Mm. But um, obviously appearing on Channel 4 was the opportunity to kind of demonstrate what we did to a, to a wider audience. And as I say, that, um, that buying advice search agent mm. role is now all over the country. And how did it come about? Was it like a, a lucky phone call or, you know, when people get um, invitations from the Queen and the letter came through their letterbox? Or did you go hunt out being, I want to be on TV? How did Not it happen? At all. <laughs> um, I got a call in the office one day saying from a production company. Um, <clears throat> that had read about the service that I was providing. It was a new kind of niche market. People were unsure how it was going to pan out, but it seemed that it was working and um, it was self-funding. That was my whole pitch at the beginning was that I would save people more money than I would charge. Them. Mm. And if I was able to do that, the business would be a success. Um, so I got a call from a production company saying, we see what you do. Um, we are developing an idea following people buying property, we don't know the first thing about it. Could you come in for half an hour's consultancy just to talk to us about what we would be faced with if we went out and filmed it? So I did that, literally half an hour went home, thought no more about it. About a month later, I got a call from the production company saying, we've developed the idea, Channel 4 love it, but we can't find a television presenter who knows anything about it. Might you come back in and, and do a screen test and, and, and see what happens? That's, that's kind of how it came about. I met Kirsty on the screen test because she was the only other person doing it. Um, and we struck it off. And um, 20 years later, we're still, still doing it. Bingo. <laughs> so um, at least one question every podcast I do. I like to be ridiculously selfish and ask one purely for me. And this is that one, if you don't mind. So I have two shows currently, apparently quite far down the line with um, two different production companies. Okay. One of them, you know, I've had about 10 pilots done. I have done a couple of shows, mm -hmm. um, but I'm used to the old pitch and the pilot and it going nowhere. Yeah. But, but this one, it looks like it's going somewhere pretty strong. Um, so let's say it does mm -hmm. come off and it's as big as they say it will be. <laughs> and it's on prime time like this, of course. <laughs> uh, the thing is, I've heard this so many times. Yeah. But this one is very much further down the line than many of my others have been. For someone who's been in TV 20 years and has managed the media and managed your reputation and managed the longevity, what advice would you give to me if I'm going into this world? And this is obviously for anyone else who wants to be out there on social media. Everyone wants to be an influencer at the moment. Mm. You know, we talked before, but the cameras went on about you, you obviously have to choose your words, the things that you say to be kept in context, etc. My wife does not want me to do any TV at all. She's like, 
She doesn't want to, but I've, I've made the house really secure. I've got cameras everywhere. I've done everything that I can to make her feel safe. She does not want me to be on TV. Um, she thinks it will ruin our life. Yeah, yeah. So you're the man to ask. How do you prepare for it? How do you manage it well? Um, I don't work, and I have no idea what your program is, is based on, but <clears throat> so much television is set up and scripted, and um, I don't work on a scripted show. So what happens, happens, and what doesn't happen can't be in the show. So it means that Kirsty and I can be very natural. So it's genuine. Um, and I, fortunately, have never experienced any awkwardness or nastiness on the high street. I get an awful lot of people come up and want to talk and they want to say hello, but that is only as a result that they have enjoyed watching my shows on television. Mm. The, the shows that we make are helpful. Mm. They help people through a potentially stressful situation. And you know, we both make quite a lot of other shows, but the core of it is, is positive, is helpful. And um, I, I like to think that people appreciate that because a lot of telly isn't quite like that. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of sort of social media, just you know far more about social media than I, than I ever will. But I, I, I think genuine and, and honesty and straightforwardness comes through. Mm. We, we get fed an awful lot of... Um, I mean, even on the high street, you know, you go into chains. There, there was a, um, when, when things are successful, they kind of format them, box them up and repeat them and repeat them and repeat them. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where I was going with that thought, but, um, uh, but uh, I don't think our programmes are, and I like to think that I'm not either. Mm. So you think the fact that it's natural, maybe the fact that you, it has a positive outcome? Yeah. Yeah, because I've turned down a lot of things which I thought have been, maybe there's an ulterior motive or they've had a, an angle. This show is actually very positive. Mm -hmm. um, okay, thank you. Um, I'm not sure if that was remotely helpful or not. Hey, look, any, any advice from someone who's been there and done it? Well, I've, yeah. I've been really fortunate and I genuinely do count my lucky stars because I do still enjoy my work. Mm. Um, sometimes I can do without the, the kind of TV stuff I, because I enjoy my work. I like the filming day. Is, is, is good, I get really into it mm. and, and try and get the most out of the efficiency of the day, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah. actually, at the end of the day, it's just a job and I want to go home and not think about it. Mm. Um, but of course, being recognised comes with, you know, there are other things that it comes with, some of which are positive and some of which are negative. Mm. And, and what's the negative side of being recognised? Just, well, no, you answer it, what's the negative side? Um, I always keep in mind that it is, you, you, you've got to, it doesn't matter what you do for a living. If people appreciate your work, that's nice. Mm. That's great. Mm. So people that come up to me, on the whole, appreciate my work. So I would never wish to kind of, not for that not to happen, because if it didn't happen, I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. So that would be the end of it. Mm. Um, but at the same time, some, you leave the house and you want to be yourself, you're in your own mindset, or you're talking with your wife or your children, or you're doing your own thing. You don't actually want to be reminded of what you do for a living five right. times a day. Yeah. It's it's you know it comes it comes with the territory mm. so um, like it or do something else. Mm. So you talked about switching <laughs> off it essentially, or that this take, can take up a lot of your day, and then maybe you don't want to think about being on TV. But um, you have a company called Raise the Roof, is that right? Mm. Um, of course, you're doing a podcast. Yeah, and you've got a family. <clears throat> yes. So all of a sudden, there's a lot of plates there. Yeah. So how do you manage? Your own businesses, your own brand, the TV, the family. It is, 
quite a complex web. You're, you're right. Um, and I'm glad somebody appreciates <laughs> yeah. it because I do spend a lot of time looking at my diary trying to shift things around mm. and give give weight to, to things. And, you know, you never quite get everything in balance, but yeah. it's, so it's a constant, constant um, mm. juggle. Somebody once described it to me. You know, when you, you watch a Formula One race and you've got the helmet cam and, and the guy's driving, he's driving in a straight line, but he's constantly yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. doing this because there's a lot at play. And I think life's a bit like that. And if you steer too far one way, you'll forget your family or your relationship or yeah. your friends. You've got to come back the other way and then you'll f- drop a ball over there. So you've got to come. It's constantly like that. Um, uh, but to answer your question, um, we try, I try and do all my travelling away from home during school term times. Mm. Um, and that's the way I justify it to family, children. Mm. That when they're on holiday, at least I'm not travelling the country, staying in hotels. Ooh. But I do have to spend a fair amount of time in, in hotels. Um, in terms of Raise the Roof, yes, that is a production company that Kirsty and I have um, based up in Glasgow. Um, it is probably Scotland's largest independent producer of television now. Right. But we have great people there who are our partners. Um, and that's that's going great guns. But we don't have a day-to-day role or responsibilities. Ooh. Um, Move IQ, I'm, I'm heavily involved in and, and have been since the outset. But again, good people. I, I think surrounding myself with good people um, that I know, that I like, and that I can trust is absolutely key. Mm, I and think then, it, you know, it, 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 everything can take yeah, place. Yeah, th- that's definitely a commonality in every single successful person I've met, every single one. Um, I met Arnold Schwarzenegger a few years ago and spent some good time with him. Uh, and he says, no one is self-made. No one is this self-made thing. It's a fallacy mm. because we need great people around us. Mm. Coaches, mentors, team members, assistants. Um, so I just wanted to sort of acknowledge the fact that, and, and moving on from that point, it's nice actually leading into your partnership with Kirsty. Yeah. Because if you're 20 years on TV with her and you're mm. a business partner with her, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in a 15-year partnership with my business partner. Um, and a lot of people in our community are looking for joint venture partnerships and property partnerships, and mm-hmm. they're trying to forge these relationships, which they know are key. But someone who's done it for two decades, can you talk about how to maintain a good partnership, you know, for a long time? For Kirsty and I, um, well, we want it to work. Um, we are friends. We got to know one another through this, and, and you know, we've... We've become friends, um, and and firm, I spoke to her twice today. Mm. <laughs> um, we, we are, there's a lot of professional respect, and there has been from day one. We bring different things to the relationship. For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United and he formed a watch brand called Broadwalk and he sources the higher-end brands like Rolex, Audemars Piguet, Patek Philippe and Richard Mille. I trust him, I've used him for many years and recently we've done a partnership. Hence I'm inviting you if you want to start investing in watches and protect your money from the banks and inflation to check out Broadwalk. That's B-R-O-A-D-W-A-L-K and the website is broadwalkgroup.com Com. The email is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878 
Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. And I couldn't do some of the things that she does, and she couldn't do some of the things that I do. So we are very mindful we are better together mm. than apart. Mm. Um, uh, and yeah, we're both pu- pushing in the same direction. People have described it as a marriage, and it, and it kind of is because we're committed to it. We want it to work, and um, perhaps naively, but I do believe if people in any kind of a relationship, business or personal, if you want it to, if two people genuinely want it to work, we'll make it work. Mm. And find a way, you need, to rely, you need to be able to rely on each other. Yeah. And we all have off days and bad days and low days, and we all have high days and good days and great days. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to, um, have to find a way to make it work. Kirsty and I have been in, in, incredibly lucky to find each other. And actually, seeing as you asked, I think 20 years on in our relationship, our partnership is stronger than ever. This is an emotional part, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> You are moving me, Phil. We've been through a lot together. Well, I'd say that about my business partner. You know, know, obviously, um, you do go through a lot together. Have you ever had a massive blazing row? I think Kirsty's recorded it at about eight. Oh, really? She does keep... That's not bad, though. In 20 years, that's not bad. One every two and a half years. That's pretty Um, good. But the the great thing is... She she knows the day, the time. (laughs) We do now know not to have a big discussion when one of us is tired or hungry. There you go. These... The people do not put enough weight on the primal needs of humans. Mm. And I meet a lot of entrepreneurs who are hustling away... And then they burn themselves out and then they get angry and upset or give up because they're fatigued okay. emotionally and energetically. And, you know, there's a lot of this movement now about mental well-being and self-care. And I really buy into that because mm. I, I like whoever has a massive argument when you're happy and grateful and yeah. you're making loads of money and everything's going well. <laughs> that would be no one. You just let things go, don't you? Yeah, very true. Mm, but it takes self-awareness, I think, to mm. go, ooh. Feel is not approachable at the moment, or oh wait a minute, I can tell I'm getting emotional here. Kirsty is great because she can blow up. It takes me a while to blow up, but if I blow, it's probably for good. (laughs) I would say it's for good reason. (laughs) Yeah, but it's Um, a proper blow, is it? um, But she can let let all (laughs) things fly. But it's gone in five minutes, and then we're back. Okay, let's move on. Let's let's move on. And she, I have learned not to sulk. So we can have a row, mm. move on. I think that ability, clearly, yeah. yeah. We're, still, we're still partners, we're still friends. Let's just find a way. Let's go on with it. Back to mm. the job. And was, it, was there any way you had to change your behaviour? And, and if I could just give you some context here. So in my early partnership with my business partner, and I, I think he would say something similar, we were very different as well, and that was helpful. But some, because we were very different, some of the things he did I couldn't understand and would frustrate me and vice versa. Yeah. And I think at times him and I were trying to make each other more like us. Yes. Trying to, you know, influence him to be more like me because my way is right and vice versa. And I I remember this day, it was a year into our relationship when I just thought, you know what, what I like about Mark is his completely unique difference to me. So stop trying to turn him more into me and just let him be how great he is. And if if I don't agree with that, that's fine. And when I did that, I think it really helped our partnership. I'd second that completely. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Um, 
Kirsty and I know each other incredibly well now, so we can read each other. Mm. Um, and, and I know to get the best out of her, I've got to let her do her thing in yeah. her way, and then we get the she can create absolute TV gold. Mm. Um, we tackle it very differently. I, I'm, I will tend to, when we're actually working on camera, I'll tend to be the person that will get us in the right place, get the conversation to where we need to go and the kind of story thread, but she'll produce magic and TV gold out of nowhere. Thank you. Yeah. It, but actually that, um, that can spin people's heads. Mm. But that, When you say TV magic, what, what's, what's something magic in your show? Well, what, what, what? When the, uh, something out of the ordinary happens. Right. And we need a bit of funnies. Mm. You know, we, it needs to be a lively, entertaining watch. And mm. um, she's a very funny person to spend time with. So if you, if you give her the flexibility, the yeah. room to do that, it happens. Do you have a funniest moment? No, not really. No. <laughs> um, Is that because well, you've had a lot or you just well, can't remember them? we have had a lot. Yeah. Uh, we have had a lot. And, and in the early days, Channel 4 used to edit that out. Oh. And edit in all the property advice and right. tactics and kind of serious stuff. But as his time went on, it gradually started to edit more in of us larking around, yeah. taking the mick out of each other. Mm. Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anythings. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Probably the, 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 um, the, the funniest moment that I can think of right now has never been transmitted. And it was on the pilot. And it was to do with the discussion of what the programme was going to be called. Because the original plan was to call it The Great House Hunt. This is a closed network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the original plan was it was going to be called A Great House Hunt. The thing is, any sentence that contains the word hunt that's going to be performed in front of an audience or a camera at some point's going to go wrong. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And she got it wrong the first time. Did out. she? And she dropped the My bomb. name's Kirsty Orsot. Welcome to the great house. Oh, no. And yeah. she, what actually made it funnier was that she didn't know what she'd said. Right. So she just carried on and I was on the pavement. <laughs> I was on the pavement rolling around laughing. Um, so it was decided to rename the programme. Yeah. Yeah, but that footage does exist somewhere. Right. I think it haunts her. Maybe on her retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on our 20 years. Yes.
there must be some great outtakes. In our 10th year um, celebration, they, they did an, an outtake programme. Um, and Kirsty and I were quite nervous about it because it was a programme where we had no idea what was going to be on the telly that night. Um, added to which we saw ourselves get 10 years older inside of 40 minutes. Was <laughs> yeah. Arguably, Surreal? Yeah. Well, it's harder for Kirsty. Mm. Because some um, fashion has changed and hair changes and pregnancy and breastfeeding and skirt length, you know, all changes. <laughs> I just wear the same old blue suit. <laughs> yeah. No great difficulty for me. <laughs> um, but yes, there were, Channel 4 did do um, a yeah, programme of outtakes and it was funny. I think my um, deciding, the kind of funny bit, there were lots of us being very stupid and falling over and getting an awful lot of things wrong. <laughs> Kirsty had been struggling to get this piece to camera right, she was getting it wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. It was quite long. And finally she got to the last couple of words and a lorry, a white van went past. Went, Oi, Kirsty, love you, poo poo. <laughs> and she turned around and went, Will you fuck off? <laughs> she really gave it some. It was so kind of out of character for what yeah. people would assume was Kirsty. That was very good. Are you into property actively yourself? Do you buy stuff? Yes. Do you renovate stuff? Do you flip yes. stuff? Do you invest in stuff? Um, yes, more um, buy to let portfolio. I have literally just finished um, a month ago uh, uh, renovating and extending uh, another house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's quite fun. Fortunately, I have a wife who's very capable at, um, at managing that process. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an interesting time. I don't think I'll be, I, I won't be buying any more at the moment. Ooh. Although money's cheap, I think that's money interesting. Money is very cheap. Um, I've just remortgaged some of them, and I'm astounded mm. at the five-year fixed deals that I've got. Really yeah. astounded. But why are you thinking about not buying for a little while? I'm just going to see what see what happens. I'm, I'm quite happy where I am mm-hmm. in terms of kind of um, debt and value. Yeah. Um, they're all let. They're all happy. I'm just going to see what happens. Mm. So which one's progressive? Is it this one? Yeah. So there's 27,000 hungry buy-to-let investors in this group. Um, so uh, for those that are just getting in and haven't got the luxury of 25 years' experience for you and maybe might want to buy now, because I think we all know a recession is coming. I, I don't think anyone knows when, although plenty of people will pretend that they do. Um, but if it's two years or three years or five years, is it not a little bit of time to maybe fill your boots before it? Or are you waiting for it to be the contrarian investor? This is a good question. Um, the availability of credit, of good credit, has never been better and can only get worse. So on the one hand, fill your boots, borrow yeah. as much as you can and, and get into it. Um, but on the other hand, I just don't feel that yields are that exciting at the moment. It depends. Mm. Are you buying for the yield or are you buying for the capital growth? Mm. Um, Capital growth, long term, I look at this country as an island. We've got an increasing population. We have got a housing shortage. If you look at the numbers of people in relation to the numbers of property, mm. it doesn't stack up. Yeah. Then you add in the fact that people um, leave home earlier, get married later, divorce and live longer. That's a major mm. issue. Then long term, demand is only going to rise and therefore prices will, will increase. Mm-hmm. Add to which rental prices have been going up, add to which you've got the stamp duty and, and, and add to which um, uh, deposits required by first-time buyers and what have you um, has also gone up. So I think you've got an increasing number of people that want to rent, but because of the tax changes, 
on investors. Actually, there's less investor-owned properties, which is really interesting. So less investor-owned properties, less for tenants to choose from, up go the rents. It's a really, mm. that's why it's a fascinating market to be involved in, because it is complex. Yeah. There's so many variables. Mm. I haven't got the answers, no. um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it all turns out. All right. Great. So do you have a memorable achievement, something in your life where you go, hmm, that makes me feel really good? Um, I, I am proud that I trained as a surveyor. I, I never actually practiced surveying, but I am proud of the fact that I recognised I, I recognized an opportunity in, in the housing market and that the fact that it was biased against the person spending the money. People at this time, we're talking 1996, I think, um, uh, people were going into the estate agent thinking they were about to be provided with the service, biggest sum of money they ever spent, they're not being provided with the service at all. Mm. Um, it was the vendor that was being provided with the service who was paying the bill. And I believe that was an unfair situation. Um, and I set about trying to kind of level the playing field. So I am proud of recognising that opportunity, being mm. told countless times by people in the market that will never work, no one will pay you to do that. How did that make you feel? Did that make you just want to go and do it even more? Cause, yeah. yeah. I was co- absolutely convinced there mm. was a market. And... Nowadays, um, there are hundreds of, of buying agencies. It's fairly commonplace. Yeah. So I'm proud of recognising that opportunity. Um, I don't have that many talents, but surrounding myself with good people is, is one, and recognising opportunities is another. Mm. Um, I do come across lots of different business-type opportunities, opportunities to get involved, this, that, and the other. Um, the vast majority... Maybe interesting, but not right time, or or, or not. I mean, I, I picked a few, and, and so far they've, they've turned out good. So, um, mm. uh, I think part of being an entrepreneur is recognizing an opportunity for what it is, mm. and then taking advantage of it. Okay, you've got to take some risk, take some gambles. You've got to work some hard, yeah. work hard, and, um, and 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 sort of find your angles and move with the times. Mm. Certainly. Um, experiences of, of the Move IQ team. Um, it's a new technology business. We're not we're not imitating anyone. When we set up Raise the Roof, the production company, there's lots of production companies. We know where the business was going to come from. You know, you can copy, you can think, you can plan, you can strategize. That's what production companies do. But in terms of the Move IQ property advice on the internet, we're not following anyone. We're making it up. And we've got to move with the times and find where the income streams are. And it's not necessarily where we first thought they are. So it's recognising those and, mm. and kind of seeking out the best opportunities. And you talked about risk there. And most people who might be might fit the profile of an entrepreneur actually like that as opposed to get scared by it. And is that you? You like an untested market. You like being a bit disruptive. You like doing something that they tell you you can't do or there's no one to copy. I don't know. I've never really thought of it. I mean, maybe I do. I, I think I'm probably, I've quite an independent mind. Um, it's difficult because it's, it's quite comforting doing something that, I, I guess for me, that's the production company. Is, mm. It's quite comforting. I know what we're doing. Yeah. And, and that's, as long as you keep doing it and doing it well and doing more of it and doing it better, that's, that's quite comforting. Whereas um, a technology business in, in new ground, it's, um, it's quite exciting. Mm. It's quite fun. We can make a difference. I, 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 perhaps that's a trait of an entrepreneur, is make, wanting to make a difference. Mm. 
Okay, so one more question, then we've got some quick fire ones coming. Uh, we've got the cheeky round and the disruptive round. Um, all right, so we talked about uh, good moments there. I think it's nice because people tend to get good value. If there's any struggle, is there anything you struggled with in your 20 or 30 years or a low moment that you did wrestle with, but then maybe you defeated it or, or you, it changed your outlook or something? I had a low moment in 2008. Um, where I had um, developed a home finding business. We'd got 30 people. We were turning over 4 million quid. We had four offices, I think. And, and we had invested the, the sort of 18 months le- leading up until um, Lehman Brothers went down. Mm. I remember that day so vividly. Yeah. Um, we'd spent the, the previous 18 months investing heavily in business development to get ourselves in the position where we got enough business developers and contacts and relationships to kind of feed the funnel. Um, and of course, Lehman Brothers went down and the funnel shut off. So 18 months of investment kind of disappeared up in smoke. Really? And I had thought at the time, if in business, if things got difficult, you can, you can just turn it off. But of course, you can't just make people redundant. You can't just pay a tax bill. You can't mm. just walk out of an office. You've got responsibilities. Yeah. And that was a bit of a wake up. But... Um, it takes a long time to wind things down. Right. That was scary. Mm. And I put some personal guarantees to a bank. Right. And I had to settle those. Mm. I won't be doing that again. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I just signed a big PG about <laughs> a week too. ago, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Why have you got a podcast? Why you want to be in that world? So Move IQ is a um, technology property advice business that I set up two years ago. Uh, um, and it came out of the idea. Um, I had a property business, um, sort of 2000 I set up, which was property buying advice. It was a, it was a search agency and it was the first of its kind. Um, it has subsequently been much copied and there's loads and loads of search agents now. Um, but I always believed at some point technology would enable me to give a much wider um, number of people good property advice. It's a, um, it's a complicated procedure when you're buying or renting or you know, moving. Um, it's not something people do very often, um, and it's fraught with difficulties and challenges and questions and, and, and you know, unknowns. So my concept behind Move IQ was to try and help people through that, help consumers through the minefield that, can be, um, that, that is moving. And when you say um, technology is used, does that mean it's on an app, online? It's online. Um, the, the technology side of it is a very clever algorithm which we built to um, give people information about the property as and when they see it. I've never met anyone who has changed their mind on whether to buy or not to buy a property based on the local search. And at the time they get the local searches, they're, they're a month down the process, they're in for lawyers' fees, surveyors' fees, the change bill, everybody's emotionally involved. And I've never met anyone who's changed their mind on the back of that. But all of that information exists. It exists now. So I wanted to um, produce something that would enable somebody to view a property, go home, sat around the kitchen table at night discussing, should we buy it, shouldn't we buy it, how much should we offer? All the information exists. So with the algorithm, um, you can press the button, you pay your £17.99, and it spits out a 45-page report on that specific property. So it really is very clever going out into the World Wide Web mm. um, and identifying all of the issues. The, 
not just about the house and pictures of the house and the floor plans and the marketing history, but the neighbours and who lives there and how much they paid for it and how, how long they've lived there. Right. Um, um, class sizes and distance to schools and local amenities and crime rates and, mm. and just a vast amount of information, um, both positive and negative. So it really is it's a factual account mm. it's, um, of, of the property that you're considering buying. So people can, I believe, with the benefit of that, um, property report make a make a confident decision. Right. Is it um, residential or by to let or both? It's residential. Right. It doesn't um, apply to new build properties. Um, buy to let is a, is a different market because I think there are lots of you know that's about the maths mm. Um, mm. rather than the more emotional parts. Mm. Okay. So one more thing about tech, and then that will lead us to to talk about why you um, did your podcast, uh, and that is. Do you think that like the conveyancing process, the property buying process is a little bit outdated and slow and laborious? And isn't it a joy when your solicitor's on holiday for the whole of August when you want to buy a house and people are talking about blockchain and all this new tech? Mm. Let's have a little bit of a dream into the future. Is this going to happen? Are we going to be able to speed the purchasing process up? What do you think? It's a really interesting one, Rob, because everyone talks about it and everyone seems to have an ambition to speed it up. And I really don't see why it's not possible. But it's not happening. It but it's it? not happening. Yeah. And why isn't that happening? And I, I ponder that. And I, I, I'm, I'm left worried that some people in the chain of events aren't quite as motivated to see the change happen. Mm. Where that is... Perhaps that's up for discussion. Yeah. Um, but the Law Society, as an example, say they're behind it, but actually, can they get the members to make any yeah. proper changes to the system? It's it's frustrating for everyone. Mm. And I mean, I don't need to tell you, but um, momentum is the crucial thing in a property deal. If you get mm. momentum and keep everybody concentrating on the deal, and they keep it moving forward, yeah. but the moment you slow it down, everyone starts looking left and right, getting distracted and then personal situations come in somebody loses their job and somebody mm. you know it, the world starts to get a bit messy when yeah. 30% of deals don't come together that's a lot it's a, it's a huge yeah. number I can see why maybe the law society if one was to be marginally sceptical wouldn't necessarily want to be behind it they might feel it's a threat to their whole industry <laughs> ah that, that was one of those yeah, yeah. I like your diplomacy there uh, maybe it takes like an uber type um, founder because obviously uber were very disruptive and aggressive and just went in and shook things up maybe it takes someone with that kind of ambition and drive and desire well you've got to get everybody involved you've mm. got to get the solicitors the banks the brokers, the agents, the yeah. consumers, everybody's got to be behind it. And, and I, I, I believe that everyone's pushing in the same direction. Everybody wants it. Mm. It's just there's, there's a lot of bodies to yeah. try and coerce to do the same thing at the same time. And I think that's proved quite mm. difficult. That's such a good point because you, you see all these new technologies come out and you think, oh, surely in five years it's all going to be changed. Like, for example, VR. Surely sometime in the future, you're not going to really need to view a property. If VR is brilliant, you can just view it from your headset at home. Job done. Mm. Um, but it takes a lot longer. You think it's going to happen and then it's like 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, I'm sure battery powered cars aren't new. Mm. We're still not all driving them, are we? We've been talking about this, the paperless deal. Mm. Again, I mean, as, as my example of um, the property report, the information exists. The information to enable a property to transact it exists. It's all there. Mm. So 
can it be collated and brought together quickly? Yeah. You know, one would hope it can. Mm. Two, two solicitors in the same room with the right information, you can make an offer on a property at breakfast time, you mm. can complete that deal, or you could exchange on that deal by lunchtime. It's possible. Mm. It might cost you a bit more money, but it is possible. So you, you take that forward a step or two, and it's not beyond the realms of possibility that it can mm. happen quickly. All right, well, watch this space. <laughs> so you have a podcast which is l- linked to this business of yours. Let's talk about podcasting because mm. it's quite a new thing, really. I love podcasting. Podcasting's really changed my business, my brand, and my life. And it was just something I did purely as a little bit of fun because I've got enough property to not have to work too hard. Um, how, how's the experience been for you, and why did you do it? I've actually really enjoyed it. Um, and if I'm if I sound surprised, that's probably, probably because I was quite. <laughs> yeah. I spend a lot of my working life in front of a camera. Mm. Um, and that gets edited and, and produced to a certain extent. Um, uh, although, I, I mean, I do have some element of control over what goes in because I'm involved in the production companies. However, um, it's a lot of time in front of a camera. As much as I enjoy it, it's actually, I found it really fun to sit down and have a chat with someone one-to-one. Yeah, there's other people watching and listening, but um, mm. it, it, feel, it felt a lot more intimate. And is there a sort of a personal brand? Yes, exactly. For Move IQ, we're trying to generate as much content as possible. Mm. Um, and it seems to be working well. Mm. Yeah. We have one normal round we do, the disruptive round. And we've introduced this new round called the cheeky round. I'm moving in more gently to ask cheeky questions, basically. Um, and I put them in a little box. I caveat them in case we fall out or you don't like me. So and you're I just, just excusing yourself. Exactly, yeah, you yeah. Just... Because this is actually important for me to say that when I do podcasts, because we've done, what, nearly 500 episodes now? When I do interviews like this and discussions, I want you to go away going, I really enjoyed that. You know, we had a good time. So I'm not the sort of interview that tries to catch people out or ask hard questions. You're just softening me up. So you're trying to catch me out with the I next I think I'm, I'm just softening myself up. Um, and we've, take, we've started to take a few more risks and actually uh, our audience really love them. So I did a Google search. You've really done the... <laughs> yes. So I did a Google search and is Kirsty married to Phil comes up with 27,000 searches. So there's 27,000 people really? in a very short... I've asked that question. Yeah, as uh, are you married to Kirsty? So my question to you is, if you weren't married to your wife, would you marry Kirsty? <laughs> <laughs> she once described that in an interview as incest. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, so that's yeah. the relationship. <laughs> How did that make you feel? Fine. Yeah. And she is like a sister but you know what I mean yeah yeah. No, um, she, we're not each other's type if, if you want the honest opinion I do want the honest yeah. opinion well okay I'll take the words out of Kirsty's mouth yes. because this is what do she it. said yeah. my wife is tall and blonde that's not Kirsty right okay that was a I feel good about getting that one out there <clears throat> I, I, I mean th- th- there are reasons why I think when we first started making the programme we, I mean, we do get on and, and people perhaps aren't used to seeing that platonic friendship on television. Mm. And there was a lot of stuff in the press that are oh, Phil and Kirsty together and blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, and, and then, of course, you're either together or you, you hate one another. So then there was stuff about, oh, no, they hate one another. They don't even speak, despite the fact that we just written a book together. <laughs> uh, so it was kind of, the, the press has, has always been interested mm. in that. We didn't help ourselves, or I didn't help ourselves. Um, it was two years ago, I think. I mean, I could come up with a number of similar examples, but um, 
So we travel around, we stay in hotels, we, we, you know, we move around the trains, planes and what have you. Um, I'd come down, we'd agreed to meet in reception of a hotel in the Midlands somewhere, 8.30. I was down there, 8.30. She was nowhere to be seen. Not an unusual circumstance. <laughs> so she calls me, I'm stood by reception. Darling, darling, I've locked myself out of my room. Can you get the key? Can you get a key and come up? That's fine. So I got the key from the reception, left my bag at reception, went up in the lift to Kirsty's room. There she was, stood outside of her. Let her into the room. We both went in. She brushed her teeth, finished packing. We both came out. I, being the gentleman, wheeled her back. We walked down the corridor. So now so two people have just left one hotel room with one bag. Walked down the corridor and people, there was somebody sort of doing this. We got on the lift. People said, morning, Bill, Kirsty. Went down to reception, she was checking out, and more people, oh, what? And then I thought, oh, shit, what have we done? And that ended up in the press. That we wow. had both walked out of the same hotel room with one bag. Ooh. So we probably don't know ourselves. <laughs> do you feel like milking it a bit with the press, teasing them? Or do you just... No, I think we're beyond <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, right, next one. Um, what's the weirdest thing you've seen inside a house or viewing a house or buying a house? And are you going to tell us the one you said before the cameras no, were on? No, no, I'm not going to tell you that one. Um. <laughs> sorry. I shouldn't have. That's, that's cheeky of me. I'm sorry. This is the cheeky round. Okay, well, I mean, that one, a camera was put. So we're, we're filming the, the cameraman put his camera on the floor, which was actually looking at what was under the bed. And the, the director was looking and saying, oh, my God, what's that? And it was something that no one would wish to see but it was hidden under a bed. So um, think about what you might normally put under a bed. Well, I don't know about you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I um, see what you did there. Turn it on me. Um, I have walked in, to, and I was with a, with a client, um, early in my morning, I mean, not that early, nine o'clock in the morning, walked into a house, we've got the keys, and there was a chap coming down the stairs in his dressing gown. Oh, God, sorry, forgot you were coming. Wife had a baby last night. And she really had had a baby, and her water had broken on the living room floor, and they'd rushed to hospital. Wow. Um, and then he'd come back at whatever time and gone straight to bed, hadn't cleaned up the mess. That was something I won't forget. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So this is the disruptive round. You can answer as quick as you like, um, or take your time. So what's the best advice you've ever received? Um, my dad said to me, and it's always stuck with me, that an awful lot can go wrong in the world if you own the roof over your head. Shit can happen. But actually, if you own the roof over your head, it can only affect you to a certain extent. So he said, concentrate on that. Mm. And I've done that. Great. What's the worst advice you ever received? You know, we've talked about the importance of surrounding yourself with good people. And listening is a great skill. And I believe that I'm a good listener. And I to try and filter out, but I, I am surrounded by good people. I'm really not sure that I've had bad advice. So if I if I have, then I've ignored mm. it. Um, I haven't. I, I try and take my decisions in life carefully and with all the information. Mm. I, I do like a lot of information and all the detail, and then I can sift through and try and make my decisions. Mm. So um, there are things that I've regretted not doing. But I like investing in Apple shares 25 years ago or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, there have been a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you've had early chances with some big companies? Yes, uh, Zoopla. Ah. Yeah. Did you, like, bin it? Like, oh, that's not going to work. 
I didn't just take. I didn't take it very seriously. Oh, right, I sat yeah. with Alex Chesterman when there was five of them in the company, mm. and he said, "This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Would you like some stock? We could do it together." Oh, and right. I just, I, I did actually work with them, but I never mm. took the stock. He sold it for a billion. That was a mistake. Yeah, <laughs> you put some whiskey in there. <laughs> is there one thing that you strongly believe is kind of wrong in the world that maybe you'd like to change or see change, and it could be anything? Nothing that immediately comes to mind. Um, Nothing that upsets you, gets under your skin, presses your buttons. I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty gentle-natured guy, to, mm. to be honest. Not too much stresses me out or, or worries me. I mean, in, in my, it's each to their own. If it, mm. Crack on, don't affect me. Yeah. But you, you do what you need to do in your life as long as it doesn't affect me. Mm. Right. I think we all get a bit frustrated with the nanny state nowadays, mm. and that seems to be a situation that's um, increasing rather than decreasing. But, uh, you know, life continues. Mm. Okay. And is there one person that you think, if you were watching or listening to this podcast, you would love to see as a guest? Like, if you could have the dream interview that you could watch as a fan yourself, who would that be? Does it have to be a disruptive entrepreneur? It could be anyone you like. No, no, no. It could be anyone you like. It would be my boyhood hero. It can it can, yeah, yeah. I want to know who this is now. <laughs> Your boyhood hero. My boyhood hero, um, was Ian Botham. Is ah, Ian Botham. Um, right. And he's a hero of mine for many reasons, not just his kind of exploits on the cricket field. I'm a big cricketer. I, I play cricket, I watch cricket, and, and I collect scrapbooks on Ian Botham. Yeah. I've met him, met him twice. I, I didn't know what to say. At right. all. I couldn't speak to him. Yeah. Um, but I, I love what he stands for, how he goes about life, his charitable work, his business mm. work. Uh, um, so he is someone that infinitely listenable to. Yeah. He's quite contentious. He says it the way it is. Mm. Um, I'd love to hear him speak. Yeah, he'd be great. We're um, trying to get Kevin Peterson on the show. He's probably my okay. favourite modern. I mean, I... I played county cricket. My is hero, it? yeah, Before. Um, Cambridgeshire. Okay, I so played Yeah, well, your county is bigger than my county, but it's still a county. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and Graham Gooch. Okay. I, I modelled oh. his high back lift, holding up the bat. Six. What a score it was. Yeah, three hundred and thirty-three was, was his it? top was score. It? Yeah, um, yeah. Kevin Peterson, though, isn't yeah. he? Box office. He'd be great. All right. Um, so lo loads of podcasts ask. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self to go back and impart the wisdom that you've gained? And I'm reversing this question and seeing if it gets some good answers. What advice would you give your 75-year-old self if you could go forward? Ooh, you're <clears throat> slightly scrambling my brain there, Rob. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I'm if I'm kind of thinking this in the way that you've, you've asked it, but um, it, it is clear to me that a lot of life's success, whether that's in business or... or, or family or friendships or general sort of um, success in, in all areas of life comes down to health. And if you aren't healthy, you don't look after yourself, then a lot of those other things mm. become much, much harder to achieve. So keeping a mind on that, mm. I, I think would do. So still be alive. Is the, yeah. Yes, you've got to yeah. still be alive. Well, Warren Buffett talks a lot about his health and his age as the ability to be doing what he does for so long. That's a big part of his success. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And that can be taken for granted, can't it? Well, it can. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to be healthy, um, but it is very delicate and mm. it can be taken away like yeah. that. Uh, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs get oh, very busy we, and very focused yes. and very committed and they will work hard. And But actually, we need a bit of time for ourselves mm. and, and to look after the mind and the body. Yeah. Uh, if you do that, the chances are 
increased, certainly not guaranteed, but increased, you might get to 75. And if you get to 75, well, that's probably about time, if everything's gone well, you can knock it on the head and travel the world and go fishing. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So this podcast is called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. We interview a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of disruptors and just generally fun and interesting people. What does the word disruptive mean to you? I think somebody who just thinks about things in a different way, got an independent mindset, um, and is prepared to, to do something about it. I was, was going to say stick the neck out on the line, but that, that's probably a bit, bit, bit too much. Um, but see a different way. Don't follow the herd. Have, a look, have another look around it. Yeah. Okay. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, totally. I, I completely get it. I think um, it's really, you've said it twice, risk. Take a little bit more risk. Take a little bit more risk. But, mm. but in order to take that risk in, in a kind of um, sensible manner, mm. you've got to analyse the detail. Mm. And you've got to think that through and think every eventuality through. That's not easy. Mm. And there's a lot of luck involved as well. Mm. So let's do a shout out for your show and your social media to my listeners and followers. Um, so, yeah, where can we follow you if we want to see, you know, what you post online on social yep. media and um, give us the name of your podcast? Um, uh, it's called Move IQ, um, and there's, there's a YouTube channel, there's a podcast, um, and there's a website. So please do find us and subscribe. All right. And this has been um, The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So if you're into being disruptive or hearing from great entrepreneurs, then we're on most channels, aren't we? YouTube. Social media, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. I won't list them all. <laughs> Stitchers get good. Yeah. Stitcher and Spotify are going up for us, aren't they? Quite a lot. Yeah. You've got to be on voice now. Mm. Okay. Hey Siri, play Move IQ by Phil Spencer. That's where we've. That's, that's the future, I think. <laughs> oh, it's oh, gone. It's gone. <laughs> Phil, thank you very, very much. Nice to meet it's you been well. fun. Good thank you. To you. Cheers. I can't believe that. What? <laughs> <laughs>